Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's episode number 62 of the Audible Farm Podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Hey, you know what's really awesome? I got a package from Couchtown Coffee this morning, and there was coffee in it. That's right. Whole bean coffee, roasted to perfection, shipped to my house. Uh, I'm drinking some right now. It's it's absolutely amazing. It's my favorite coffee. Uh, you know, it, it's it's... It's just one of those things in today's world, everybody gets everything bought, shipped to your house. Why not buy coffee? Why not ship it to your house? There's a huge influx of people buying and selling local these days as well. So why not support the best coffee in Iowa? Couchtown Coffee is my favorite. You can get it shipped to your house. You can go to their website, www.couchtowncoffee.com. You can find a coffee you like in the Our Coffee section, make an order, and they will ship it to your house. It's uh, it's a pretty awesome thing. And you know what's even cooler than that? They'll offer 20% off just because you're listening to the, this podcast this week. So anytime between, uh, let's see, it be November 21st and November 27th of 2019, you can use the code word STRANGEBIRD. The code word STRANGEBIRD, and that will get you 20% off of your order at Couchtown Coffee, and they'll ship it to your house. Thanks, Couchtown why is the code word strange bird this week? Because I'm sitting down with uh, the owner and uh, I guess we could we could also call him the recording engineer at Strange Bird Recordings, uh, Travis Atkinson. It, it, this was a podcast, uh, mind you, that I, I had kind of attempted to do a while back, but I didn't have the knowledge and know-how and the technology to do something over the internet as well as, as I've been able to do lately. And... Uh, you know, Travis kind of let me slide on it for a while. And then when I was looking for a podcast interview this week, he said, Hey, why don't we try that Skype thing? And you know what? It worked out great. Uh, I couldn't have had a better time sitting down talking with Travis. Talking with people I don't know is always kind of nerve wracking, but at the same time, you also get to meet people you never thought you would have got to meet. It just kind of opens up all of these doors that uh, otherwise wouldn't be opened if you close yourself off. And we talk about things like that in this podcast, as well as how he got started doing recording things, um, what kind of drives him to do that. He ended up moving at one point in time from Iowa to Nashville to do some recording engineering stuff out there. Um, moved back to Iowa. He's he's going to fire up Strange Bird recording uh, full tilt, uh, hopefully by the end of the year or sometime next year. This episode is amazing. Uh, we, we talk about all sorts of things. We get into the topics quite a bit deeper than most, uh, podcasts that I've done, but it's, it's a great listen. So I, I had such a good time sitting down talking with Travis Atkinson, not only about his recording, uh, but about his, his journey from Iowa to Nashville and back to Iowa and just everything in between. It was a really, really good time sitting down, talking with him, uh, getting to know him. And I can't wait to do another podcast with him. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you like this one as much as I did. Um, this is Travis Adkinson with episode number 62 of the Audible Farm Podcast. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. I'm sitting down today uh, via Skype with Travis Atkinson, and you've come up once before in the podcast, um, 
but I know that you uh, have recorded several bands in the in the past. So uh, we had gotten in touch. Um, you, I don't know whether or not you saw me or I saw you or somebody from one of the Atoma area bands had recommended you and I talk. But somehow we had gotten in touch, and I had not figured out how to do a Skype podcast and do it well, so I didn't want to do it. And uh, I ended up figuring it all out and you got in touch and here we are we're finally we're finally sitting down together and and doing this talk here so this is great how you doing today man i'm doing good thanks thanks for uh, having me on Absolutely. yeah um you uh interviewed i think i first came to know about what you're doing via the the uh john rowell uh interview yeah dude over in Atumwa. Mm-hmm. um long time uh i've known john for a long time we're not close uh buds you know but we've uh he used to when i had my first studio his old band uh played at a studio party i mean this man this was uh well over 10 years ago and uh anyway i just knew of him from you know him playing guitar because you know it's a small scene here in southern iowa so mm-hmm. um so you know folks and so yeah i knew it via that and uh yeah i thought it was cool so i got in touch and said hello you know so yeah it's cool, yeah it's cool uh, thing you're doing i mean you've been one of the the people that like we've, we've had a little bit of contact back and forth through uh email and uh, a couple text messages here and there and and i think one of the coolest things that um that you did for me as somebody that just wants kind of sit down and get to know you better you told me a little bit about yourself and and it was it was fun because you you sent me a thing that's just it's like a sentence like when i was about this age i was doing this stuff when i was about this age i was doing this stuff and it's very basic so it's gonna be this fun little outline for us to follow uh hallelujah dude it seems like you had a crazy crazy life um you started recording stuff when you were like 18 ish uh what what was the first thing that made you that like sparked in your mind that was just like oh okay i gotta go buy something to record something what was the first thing because there had to be something yeah yeah there was um yeah i started um playing guitar when i was about 16 my dad played guitar you know he was a country kind of guitar player like johnny cash and cool waylon jennings and stuff that type of thing so like cool stuff you know you don't appreciate it when you're 16 but you know as you're older you certainly do and so anyway i see my dad you know plunking on a guitar around the house and i was like you know classic thing like dad teach me how to play you know and uh he eventually did and so i learned how to play and somehow i I think a a revolving theme of my life period is just a you know a healthy dose of curiosity about whatever i'm you know into where there was like skateboarding, you know, I started skating when I was like 13 and that, that took me into a world of hardcore punk, you know, like Minor Threat and the Dead Kennedys and all that stuff. Cool. And, you know, and all that, I mean, we could have a five hour podcast, you know, about all that <laughs> stuff, but, but, um, but yeah, so guitar playing turned into being curious about, I was like, man, I want to see what it sounds, what, what do I sound like? You know what I mean? Cause you always, you'd never really know exactly what you sound like, you know, and uh, the mirror doesn't lie, as they say. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, I had a boombox, you know, this this dates me, you know, I'm 43 years old, so it's like, <laughs> I had a boombox, a cassette boombox, you know, and uh, and so I was like, it was a double cassette boombox, so it was two side by side, so, um, so I grabbed a tape, <laughs> put tape over the tabs, stuck it in there, it's probably like I taped over some like, you know whatever some recipes on tape or something you know i don't like whatever and just taped over whatever and, and just jammed you know mm-hmm. and then i realized well i can put that tape in the other 
tape and then record at the same time and mix them together. Whoa! This is this is like an age old thing. You 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 interview a lot of old engineers like my age um, or older, and they have that same story where it's like they discover what's called sand on sound, right? Which is called overdubbing nowadays. Okay. And and um, so that's how I did it, and uh, I was just stoked, beyond stoked. <clears throat> so fast forward a little bit, I had some friends, a guy named Dave Johnson, lifelong friend of mine, and uh, he was in <laughs> he was in this uh, death metal band when they when he was like thirteen or fourteen, and uh, this this band called Wicked Minister. <laughs> And, and, uh, so they recorded at this local studio in Ottumwa called Studio 16 with this guy named Chris Hunter. And Chris Hunter, actually, he's would be a great guy for you to interview. He's a, he's kind of a cornerstone of the, the Ottumwa music scene, if you will, as far as providing people with a, a place to record prior to everybody having a recording studio on their laptops. You know, this was back when, you know, tape machines ruled the world and, you know, it, Studios cost a lot of money to record, and that was your option. Yeah, they like, or, relatively took up a lot of space, though, too, didn't they? It wasn't just something oh. you could have, like you said, with the laptop. It's not just, you can't just drag it around with you. Right, right. And, you know, I've I've stuck in that kind of world. I I, I have kind of the best of all the worlds as far as, you know, um, I've built up my studio over the course of 20 years, you know. And and so I like recording on tape, and I also have a Pro Tools rig. I also have a console and all that sort of thing, but... But anyway, regardless, so how I got involved or interested in recording was my friend's band, Dave's band, recorded an EP with Chris in Ottumwa. And I heard about this, and I was like, I don't know what that is. It's like a recording studio. I was like, what? You know, it's like, it's like must be a really nice boombox. You know, it's like, I didn't know what, what, what it was, you know? It must be a sick boombox. <laughs> and um, so... My parents, you know, this was well before I, I drove, and my parents uh, were going to Ottumwa. I live in Centerville, which is a very, very southern Iowa. Ottumwa is about 40, 45 minutes northeast of me. So right. my parents right. were going over there for, like, shopping or something. And so I begged for them to stop by the studio. I was like, could we stop by the studio? My friend Dave is, is recording in there. I want to see what it looks like. And so... They were cool enough to do that. They we stopped by. I I knocked on the door. I had no idea. Like you don't knock on a door at a studio, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like I go there, like I knock on the door, and Chris opens the door, and I hear this drum machine, <laughs> this drum machine with this like blast beat, like this cheesy blast beat on a on a like a Kurzweil keyboard drum machine like straight up 98 you know <laughs> and uh no it was before that straight up 91 probably but um so i see that and then i walk in and like chris kind of like looks at me and he kind of looks over at the keyboard and he kind of motions at me and i'm like i go over and i push push stop and he's like yeah <laughs> and i'm like holy shit like what just happened you know i didn't know what was going on I walked uh -huh. in, there's like a mixing console, this big mixing console that had this tape machine. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. And I have to say that was 100% uh, what got me super curious about recording, what this whole recording thing was. Yeah. And uh, I mean, dude, that was it. Like, I, I have the same exact uh, kind of a story. Like a buddy of mine went to a studio, and this is something we were talking about before. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is something we were talking no, about no. before uh, we started recording. Uh, 
where uh, you were talking about how you have analog things, and I've actually only one other time seen uh, an analog recording studio. Not that they're non-existent, but they're not as common. Yeah, they're not common. So I uh, there's a place in Otho that that's like near-ish to Fort Dodge that has a recording yeah, studio. Uh, what's his, what is it? Uh, something's Barn? Junior's uh, Motel? Junior's Junior's Motel. That's right. There's like cows underneath it. Yeah, something like that, man. It's uh, it's a nice place. It's it's one of yeah. those things where the first time I went in there and saw somebody with tape, you know, they're actually running tape on reels. I was I was kind right. of just like, what is going on? Yeah, it really reinforces things. You know, like we're so used to computers, and you can do everything on your phone. You know, you could record an album on your phone if you wanted to. Yeah. Which, you know, I I know people that have done it. You know, and it's rad. It's completely cool. You know. Um, but yeah, there is something that kind of solidifies the seriousness of what you're about to do when you walk into a a room there's a console and then there's tape machines and you're like this is not stuff that just like my buddy's gonna go get at guitar center for a thousand bucks you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um again i'm not i'm not um dissing any of that i think it's totally cool but i'm just saying it's a different it's a different uh architecture of sorts you know it's just a different way it's a different uh mindset for sure uh, yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, like, I don't know. It, I get. I totally get what you're saying because there's some of it. Each each set of the way you could record things has its own limitations, which brings out the creativity and what you can do with it. And that's kind of for sure. Yeah. That's what the gist you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you know the thing is with analog tape is, um, uh, I mean, I've dedicated a lot of years learning how to. It's, it's not a matter of just uh, the thing with tape and doing things in an analog manner. Um, it's not as simple as just simply hitting Apple spacebar on your on your laptop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Or hit, hitting three or something and Pro Tools goes in to record. You don't have to know about setting up a Pro Tools system. You don't have to worry about gain structure. You don't have to worry about um, what fluxivity level you're going to tape before saturation you don't have to worry about the azimuth of the heads you don't have to know what azimuth is you know <laughs> all this stuff there's a lot of stuff that you have to know inside out and then forget about and just get to work and record the the artists don't need to know about any of this stuff if they're stoked by seeing these reels turn that's cool but it's not a dog and pony show it's 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 actually uh you're doing a you're partaking in a profession and that's what I really, really, really enjoy the craft of recording and tape machines are a raging pain in the ass a lot of times. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't own what I own if I had to pay someone to fix these things and set them up and all that. I, I learned how to do this stuff just simply because I lived in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. I'm talking about when I, when I first lived here, I, I guess I should preface that I, I, I just returned to the area about a year and a half ago after living in uh, Tennessee for about seven years. Yeah, so, you had mentioned that, that like you had gotten your first tape console and it was semi-functional and you had to fix it in order to keep right. it functional. And that <laughs> right, was right. basically just by attrition. If you wanted to use this thing, you had to right. fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the truest thing. You know, like you got something, your guitar breaks. You're like, I got to play a gig, yo. And like, what am I going to do? You know? That makes so sense. you figure it out. And the tape machine thing is a little bit harder than replacing a jack on a guitar, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but man, I mean, I, I can't, I can't uh, overemphasize how many hours and hours, hundreds of hours that I spent wanting 
to take a hammer to this thing, <laughs> you know, beca- because I'm just like, you know, you're recording and then all of a sudden the take up reel stops taking the tape and you're like, what the heck, you know? And oh. it's like, I got to figure this out. What am I going to do? It's not like I have three of these things sitting here. I can go to the other one. Um, yeah, dude. That's, I'm cool. I guess I never even thought about that. Like on the fly. I mean, I, I don't what know happens? why. I don't know why I never thought about that. Like, of course, yeah. it's going to break down at an inconvenient time. It's not going to break down at a right. convenient time. Right. Even like you know, you think of like a NASCAR driver or something. Shout out to Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dakota from TV Cop just loves his NASCAR, and yeah. I, I love that guy. But, but you think of a race car driver, even those guys with tons of money, maybe they do have backup cars. I don't know, but it doesn't seem like it. You know, if one of their cars takes a poo on the track, they got to fix it. Yep. Right. Same way with the tape machine, you know. You're not. I don't have like a spare twenty five thousand dollars GH sixteen just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. You know what I mean? I mean, as foolish as it is, I do now. Actually, I have I have a spare one of those, and and as I showed you, I have a spare of the other machines, and and uh, but man, it's spent. It's been over the course of twenty years, and I would buy these things broken. That's, and mind you, these things smart. are these things are well, these things are like forty fifty years old now. So you can buy them just like a used car. You can buy them for cheap. You just have, you just, just kind of have to know what to do with them though too. Yeah, just like a broken car though, you buy that buy the old Mustang and it's looking groovy in your garage, but that that only goes so far. And when you're trying to make money with these machines with your profession, it again, it's not a dog and pony show. It's it's about using the things as they're meant to be used. You know, um, I think a lot of people hang their hat on this grooviness of a tape machine, um, but the reality of owning one and making a living using these machines it's not so glamorous you know Mm because there's man i've had nights where i got a band coming in from wherever and freaking tape machine something goes wrong with it you're like what am i going to do you're up until three in the morning figuring this thing out you know and the band's going to come in at 10 in the morning or what you know whatever so many times of doing that stuff um and it's like I'm not I'm not saying this as a woe is me sort of thing. It's just it's just a reality of working in this certain way. Yeah, um, yeah, and I totally it, get you. The classic car reference is a perfect reference for this, I think, because totally like is. you were talking about, you can go buy an old classic car. Like I can go buy an old blown out Mustang for a couple thousand dollars, you know, and mm-hmm. but it's like old and rusty, and I've got to know a how to fix it up and b how to f- fix the engine and everything, you know, just to get the thing to right. run. Yeah, and even if you get, get it running. It's not a guarantee that the thing's going to work all the time. It could break down halfway down the road. It could overheat on the highway. You don't know. Totally. Totally. Uh, And that's why, you know, if I were smart, I would just get a computer and a card table and call it a studio. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, the crazy thing about that is, like you said at the very beginning of the podcast, I've seen that. I've been a part of that. And it works out fantastic if the right person's behind the ones and twos. It's all, it's all about the operator. That's the whole thing. All this stuff means nothing unless the operator knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's all about the person twiddling the knobs. Um, I've made records in so many wacky situations with a laptop in some dude's attic or what outside, what live, recorded live shows, whatever, you know, and you just got to make it work. Um, I will say I think that I'm thankful that I've come from the era that I have in that doing things the way that I have uh, historically has taught me a lot about the, um, the ins and outs, the nuts and bolts of things, the minutia of classic recording techniques, you know, and, and real engineering, like engineers, they didn't call it that flippantly, 
you know yeah classic yeah. engineers made their own consoles back in the 50s and 60s because there's no console you couldn't go to a, to a guitar center and buy a mackie there was no mackie so these dudes who were like military electronic specialists or whatever you know um these dudes would piece together some stuff and build a mixer and when that thing broke they knew how to fix it i'm not i'm not of that ilk i'm not quite that deep down the rabbit hole you know i don't have that knowledge i wish i did in ways but but uh i'm kind of the step after that or whatever you know as far as like if something goes wrong with my console i can fix it Mm -hmm. um you know what i mean but again, the reason is is because of just a healthy curiosity and also shallow pockets. You know, what I, mean? <laughs> I, you know, I don't have five grand to spend on somebody coming and fixing my console. You know? Yeah, and that's yeah. the other thing is to find somebody who like specializes in this. It would probably cost a lot of money, and I bet you find yourself somehow in those shoes by being able to fix some of this. Like, have you ever had anybody get a hold of you and say, "Hey, I know, I know that you have one of these machines. Can you fix yeah. mine? Because this one out on it." Yeah, I when I when I moved to Nashville, I I went there to do the engineering thing, and I went there just to see what I could do as a human being. Quite honestly, um, I was working here and doing a factory job. Did that for 16 years. I decided to uh, jump ship and and see what I could do. Anyway, as I went down to Nashville, um, I didn't want to be one of these dudes that was just like, "Hey, bro, I'm a sick engineer. Hire me, man." You know, I didn't yeah. want to be one of those guys, and. Um, so I just kind of laid low and I happened to be friends with these two technicians. And, um, so they started, I didn't have anything to do. <laughs> so I just hung out with these guys all the time. And so I ended up tagging along and working on consoles with them and tape machines. And up to that point, I'd only worked on my own. You know, there's a difference between knowing how to get your Mustang going and then getting some other dude's Mustang that has a whole different thing of issues than you've ever seen. Bingo. Yeah, um, that's a very that's actually work, another really good point. Like, yeah, I had to work on a lot of Mustangs. You know, it, I mean, it takes a whole different set of confidence to fix somebody else's stuff or to. For sure. Yeah, there is a yeah. there is a lot on the line, dude. I the very first this was day three of living in Nashville, mind you. But uh <laughs> I'm sorry I'm battling on I got tons of like stories like this, but hit, hit, me um, with them. but I remember like day three, man, I, I was in town and again I was just like, I don't have anything to do, I'm just hanging out. So uh so I went on this uh service call with this guy named Randy Blevins. And uh Randy's a little nuts, but in a good way, but uh we went to this guy's this older dude's uh studio and this guy, like, he had photos on the wall of him and Waylon Jennings, him and, you know, all these classic country dudes. And I'm just like, man, you know, like, part of me wishes I, you know, my dad was there with me. He'd be stoked on that, you know. Yeah. Um, but he was just such a cool thing. I was like, this guy's a serious, serious guy. And he was a cool guy. He's kind of a cantankerous, like, older guy. Like, the dude was, like, pushing 80. It had to have been. And um, He'd been in it for a long time. Anyway, I had this console, and it had an issue with the automation system. It had this thing called VCA automation. And um, I'd never touched one in my life. <laughs> but but the whole thing about this stuff is that you kind of, you got to be kind of Fonzie about it, you know, and you got to kind of keep your poker face happening. Uh-huh. And uh, because it doesn't inspire confidence when the guy that's in here to help the the main guy is like, what's this do? You know, yeah, that doesn't really inspire confidence. Like, oh, you know? uh, <laughs> yeah yeah so i remember this guy was uh so randy had me underneath the console with a soldering iron i mean mind you i knew how to solder and all that i wasn't like a total hack but um 
but I just didn't have a lot of experience at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm under this console, like soldering this thing on his patch bay. We found out after about five hours of working on this guy's console, trying to like figure it out. And then this is the joys of analog, mind you. Um, after five hours of sitting there, staring at this thing, trying to figure it out. We finally kind of figured out what it was. It was a, a normalization uh, uh, issue on the patch bay. And um, we had to flip it. And so the so the normal would be denormaled or whatever. Anyway, um, so I had to do that from underneath the console. And so I'm underneath there. And then I like kind of I can see out underneath there. Like my feet are like hanging out the bottom of the console, you know. And uh, I look up and I see his name was Gene Breeden was the owner of the, the, the studio. I see Gene like just staring at me, like burning holes, <laughs> like just staring at me, like who the fuck is this dude? <laughs> who's this? Like who's this kid? Mind you, I was thirty five at the time, but he's like, you know, who's this kid working on my console, like with the soldering iron, <laughs> you know? And it was like the ultimate. I was like, oh man, it's like I'm not in, you know, I'm not in small town anymore. Like this is for realsies, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was a moment that kind of stuck with me. And, uh, and anyway, um, to answer your question in a very roundabout way, I, I did get a lot of, uh, tech work kind of as a side, um, because I didn't have a studio, a proper studio in Nashville for the first couple of years. Cause I was trying to find a house and the housing scene there has gotten nutty, which is partly why I left. Yeah. Um, I, I heard as of late, it's been getting pretty insane. It's absurd, man. You know, you can't you could never ever hope to own anything for the rest of your life. And it's like, I'm just not really part of that program. And so that's, that's partly why I moved back to my homeland. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I would, I ended up getting known as this tape machine guy and I ended up getting known as, as this tape machine guy that was easy to be around more, <laughs> almost more importantly, you know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of technicians are tend to be older cantankerous dudes, you know, that are just sick of it, you know? Yeah. I and, mean, uh, anybody with any, anybody with, sorry, anybody with any office job can definitely tell, like if you call it, it's kind of the totally. same concept. Yeah. I mean, somewhat understandably, cause you know, you're just constantly inundated by dudes just, you know, with dumb questions, but yeah, you know, all you do is fix problems all day. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so so I ended up, yeah, I ended up getting a lot of calls to work on tape machines. So that led me into studios I never ever thought I'd be in. That ended up giving me kind of a, a kind of an interesting uh, place of of uh, trustworthiness that a lot of engineers wouldn't get. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of engineers would just get brought in because they like the person. You hope that the dude knows what he's doing or she. And if they do, we'll call them back. Yep. But, yep. but when you have a guy that comes in and like knows how to fix your console, or your tape machine or something, that guy's clearly, and I'm, I'm saying this humbly, I'm not saying like, you know, I'm, I'm this crazy scientist. I'm, I'm just saying, imagine if, if you saw a guy that came in to work on this stuff, you're like, that guy probably knows what he's doing. You know, yeah. if he's, if he's yeah. doing that, he probably knows how to set up a microphone, you know? Oh yeah. And uh, oh, if, yeah. if the dude knows how the console works from a technical standpoint, the guy can probably run it you know mm-hmm. and um so i got a lot of engineering gigs from doing that all right and so i kind of came in from the back back door which was i was not planning on but it ended up working out great so and the other thing was i think i mentioned in that little precursor thing is that i i ended up uh, landing a job for a microphone company for a couple of years right yeah. after i moved to town so yeah um 
I mean, keeping on this recording studio kind of line that we're going here, so you had built your own recording studio before moving to Nashville. Uh, Nashville, yeah. correct? Right, right. Um, so you had built your own recording studio um, at your at your home or where, wherever it was in uh, Iowa before you moved to Nashville. You go to Nashville, you start to kind of walk around and see you get to see inside a lot of different studios not you know it's one of those things where you get a traveling gig where i'm going to go from here and fix their stuff and then i'm going to go here and fix their stuff and the whole time you're kind of just taking in what's going on where everything's set up did it change the way you looked at maybe setting up your own studio by the time you were going to set your own up again that's a good question um yeah probably i never really thought about it quite honestly but i i've always had an idea of like i I grew up kind of like an artsy fartsy kind of guy. I was really into drawing and, and uh, so I always kind of had visual aesthetics that I kind of adhered to, you know? So I always kind of have been strong headed about like how I want things to feel or look. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I don't know if those things influenced me. I, I don't know, but, um, for sure going in all of a sudden being in like Blackbird or all of a sudden going into RCA studio a where Elvis recorded, you know, I, you know, you're just like, Holy crap. You know, these places are sacred. Yeah, you know? that's wild. And wild. being able to see that, and um, yeah, I mean, truly, like, I was there about seven years, and I, I truly could say that probably a week didn't pass that something extraordinary came my way. And again, I'm saying that humbly. I'm saying that as a fan, like as as somebody, like if I saw what happened, I'd just be like, man, you know. And, and what I mean by that is that. Um, all the time something would come my way and 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 mind you these things weren't always necessarily like pad my pocket you know real fat like mind you you know um it could have just been a connection it could have been a friendship it could have been something a connection that i made that came to fruition two years later you know uh you know, that's how the, the Brendan Benson thing happened. You know, like mm-hmm. I met him when I first moved to town and, and I ended up doing some work for him about two years later. You know, I mean, um, that stuff happens, you know. Um, so I guess what I mean is that it was just such a hotbed of activity. And for some reason, I was put in a position that I had the skill set and I had, I guess, the person ability. That's a word, right? Yeah, we'll take um, it. We'll take it. <laughs> and... Uh, that people let me in the door, let me stay. Anybody can get in the door, but it takes a certain person to stay in the door, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody can get a job, but it takes a certain person to keep a job. That's, right? that's very true. That's yeah. True. So, um, I just realized that you know I'm I'm ext- I was extremely lucky to be able to do the things I was able to do, um, and I, f- I I feel the same. Well, I can I say this having been able to do some things I never thought I would have done. But even if I'd just gone down there and just recorded Billy Bob Joe's blues band, bands like that, mm-hmm. you know, quote, quote unquote, no name bands. Totally. Cool. I've recorded tons of them still do. Um, and I don't mean that in a, you know, no, I get I'm, what you're there's saying. No, yeah. There's no slide I'm, of anybody's dude, I'm, career. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in no name bands. Don't worry about it. Three finger, well, I'm just saying, you know, three finger Betty, baby. There's a difference. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it, if I mentioned my old band and then I mentioned, the tours, somebody would probably know the tours, but they wouldn't know Ryan Storash, my old band, right? Bingo. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's all <laughs> Great I'm analogy. saying. That's all I'm saying. I just try to tread lightly on that because I, I know they can kind of come across as kind of, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, but that's but, you know, and I get what you're saying about when you would you would go into these places, and as a fan, it's it's kind of like 
when you're growing up and your dad um, and you are like he's teaching you how to play guitar, you're like, oh, I like Johnny Cash and this kind of stuff. You never right. once in a million years would have thought like, oh, 20, 30 years down the line, I'm going to be in some of these studios that some of these people I've heard are going to also have been in and played in and recorded stuff in. Maybe even fixing consoles they use to record. You never know. 100%, man. I, I, um, I, uh, I ended up meeting and building some, this is a funny thing. Cause it's like, I, you know, I'm not a, a an acoustician, you know, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, a builder of things per se, you know, for a, a living, you know, mm-hmm. I just, again, I, I learned how to swing a hammer and, and put stuff together because, you know, I didn't want to spend 500 bucks for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, I, I ended up meeting Johnny Cash's bass player. Whoa. This guy named Dave Rowe. And he was his last bass player, mind you. It was his very last bass player before he passed. What was his name? And uh, was his, name? his name was Dave Rowe. Cool. Cool. And um, he uh, he's a heavy duty session bass player around town. And and um, anyway, somehow somebody told him to get in touch with me because he was building a new studio in his garage, and he wanted somebody to build him some acoustic treatment panels. He didn't want me to come over and record for him. He didn't want me to come and tech for him he wanted me to build some boxes with insulation in them you know that's crazy and i'm like i'm like look yo i i'm, I'm cool with that i'm fine with that. i build a ton of them you know i build a bunch for myself so i'm pretty used to doing that um and so i did and then the next thing you know we ended up being friends and the next thing you know i'm friends with you know johnny cash's bass player you know it's like it's wild just nuts you know i mean it's truly uh, that's what i say it's like everything I feel like I try to like live my life and try to do stuff that if I were an outsider looking in or if I was a kid that was wanting to do something rad, I want to do the rad thing that I would be stoked about as a bystander. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and if I get put in in a position to be able to do something rad, then I want to be able to um be in a position where I can partake in that. Meaning I want to have the skill set and I want to, or if at the very least I want to be, be teachable, you know, mm-hmm. cause nobody knows everything, you know? Um, so that has been my entire, um, existence, I think. And sorry, I feel like I'm on a couch and you're like my therapist, but, but, uh, <laughs> but it's like, that's my, my entire kind of, uh, experience. And, and it continues to be, um, and, you know, I, I just feel extremely blessed to to have been able to do what I've um, I've done and and to I'm curious to see what I'm going to do, you know, next year. <laughs> yeah, I, and I totally get where you're coming from, because like conceptually, um, I didn't join a band until I knew I had the skill set to join a band. And it was something like I always wanted to do as a kid, but it was also something where it was like, I'm not going to go in and half ass yeah. this. I'm not going to show up yeah. and make the people standing next to me look bad. I'm not going to show yeah. up and have somebody be like, it's kind of like one of those deals where like, it's one of those people that gets their foot in the door, but doesn't stay in the door. Like you said, it's somebody that we're like, right. Oh, you can, you can play guitar, join the band. And then after a while they're like, this guy doesn't really know how to play guitar. You're out. You know, right. I didn't want to be that guy. And it's, and it's the same thing that you're yeah. saying. You want to go into these things with, with fervency and enjoy them and take the opportunities as they come. Yeah. And, uh, Especially the ones that are afforded to you, but also the ones that would make you feel good as if you were a bystander watching them happen. Or like a you know five-year-old you would just be like, yeah. that is so cool, guy. 
That yeah, it's, that's hundred percent it. I mean, it's true. It's kind of like a little kid approach in a way, but to me, um, you can call it inspiration. You can call it stoke. You can call it whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, man, as as that, I don't know how old I was. 15 16 it was right before i started playing guitar when i saw my friend dave's band at that studio and to imagine like when i'm age 36 or whatever i remember okay i was like age 36 and i worked for a microphone company called aea which made like high-end ribbon microphones and and they were based in pasadena anyway uh that's another story on its own but um i ended up getting uh flown around the states to do seminars and do trade shows i did like aes and nam and cool. you're probably familiar cool. with nam but um um these various things and 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 it, and it is kind of a weird thing like you work for a certain company that has a certain clout and your name's on the tag and you get invited to electric lady or something you know mm-hmm. and it's like hey next thing i know i'm hanging out at electric lady at an after party in new york and I'm like, what the, like, I'm just some dude from Centerville, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm just like, what the heck? But the, here's the funny thing, man. The funny thing about it was when I first moved to Nashville, I, I was really nervous that I would get there and I'd be like, I'm a kook. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I, I only knew how to mic up a drum kit from just doing it myself for years. And I think that I think the snare drum sounds good or whatever, whatever. And then I got to Nashville. And I was like, shit, I hope that I'm doing this right. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I could not be. And then there's not really any right or wrong, but there are certain technical benchmarks that you need to be able to do. You know, mm-hmm. you need to understand what's going on. It's, it's a matter of repeatability when it comes to there's a difference between amateur and professional as far as. Uh, well, quite honestly, professional just means you're being paid. Right. But um like a consistency thing but there's a consistency it's anybody can um hit a hit a golf ball and sometimes get it in the hole yeah but if you have a band that came in from once i recorded this band from australia from sydney oh jeez. and i got i got recommended by this uh a friend that i first met when i moved there and uh this dude gets a hold of me and he's like yeah uh bex told me that uh you'd be a good guy to get a hold of you do the tape thing i'm interested in that i'm like sure great and like we get off the phone, I'm like, oh shit, you know, like <laughs> mm. I got to make sure this works, you know, and um, because like this dude from Sydney, Australia, is coming to record with me of all people, mm-hmm. in a town like that that has crazy amounts of studios at working at high level, uh, each, and um, and so I had to be able to bring the goods. No matter if I woke up and I was like feeling boo boo, or I woke up and I wasn't feeling so good, you know, or my cat scratched me, or what, you know, whatever, yep. you know, yep. stubbed my toe, I still got to get the snare drum to sound good. And you, I think what separates, uh, you know, uh, people in professions, whether it's recording or whatever you're doing, you know, um, is the repeatability, the the ability to deliver the goods, regardless. Yeah. You have a drum. You have a drummer that sucks. You have a drummer that has a crappy drum kit. Well, they don't know that. Um, you still got to get, you got to record that crappy drum kit the best you can mm-hmm. because they're paying you to do that as a professional. And that's what you do, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I, you, uh, know, another, you know, as, as far as, uh, as, far as uh, I mean, we need, we definitely need, we definitely need to steer this conversation, this conversation towards uh, you coming back to Iowa and making. Yeah, your go ahead and steer it, man. I, I'm, I'm getting off the rails here. 
No, no, no. It's it's totally cool because I this is this is how I like the conversations to go because I, I feel like every time you uh, leave me with something, I have more questions to ask, and that's oh, cool. that's awesome. Great. But but before we, I don't know. I definitely want to steer this back towards the fact that you started your own recording studio in Iowa years ago. Yeah. You moved to Nashville yeah. on a whim. It's one of those things where you're uh, it, somebody's got to interrupt. What's let that? Let me interrupt. It what? Yeah. Let me interrupt. It was not on a whim mind you oh yeah so what what was your plan going there well i mean i just you know i you know i'm not trying to be picky towards words but whim is definitely not in that in that vocabulary of where i was at in the headspace um i started my first studio when i was i mean i had recording gear before that i bought my first recorder when i was 18 or 19 um just dinked around had no clue what i was doing until like my mid-20s or whatever you know this is pre-internet so like i was scrounging books and stuff you know so i had no idea what i was doing i was joyfully ignorant and i made probably more recordings than i ever had in that time you know because that's what you do when you don't know the difference between good and bad right Mm -hmm. um you probably play more more guitar when you first started before than you do now because now you just want to play good all the time right yeah to Um, an extent I mean, it's the same way with like, you know, recording or whatever. Anyway, um, so I had my first real studio when I, I started building it when I was 28, finished it when I was 30, did that for about five years. And mind you, I was working at a factory during this whole time. And uh, I was just, I just did it because I was curious. I wanted to see if I could do it. And uh, there's nothing on the line because, I mean, I had a job job. And, but I started recording people and I started realizing, shoot, I, I kind of, it seems to sound good. And like these people are stoked and there was something that recording brought out of my personality that I was fairly withdrawn at the time, honestly. And, um, I, something about recording and being around these people brought something out of my personality that, that has blossomed in, in recent years, you know? Um, but, and that I was kind of more personable than I ever realized, you know, all of a sudden you take the guy that thinks he's not personable and shove him out in front of a table at, at, nam or at aes in new york and you have to talk to thirty thousand people you know what i mean all of a sudden you kind of have to like do something or you're probably not going to get asked to do it again you know and so so i quickly realized there was something in my personality that i was kind of a leader in that way you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i struggle with that a lot because i don't really i traditionally growing up as a little punk rock kid i didn't really like the idea of being some leader some like puffed chest guy you know but um, there's nothing wrong with being a leader as long as you're a good leader, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so I had the original studio and I was doing all right with it. And I recorded a few bands that ended up putting out the releases, you know, albeit either themselves or on a small label or something. And, you know, but the first time that happens, you're like, holy crap, you're like holding the CD and you're like, whoa, like it says Strange Bird Recording recorded by Travis, you know, like that's nuts, you know. And and so it kind of like I... I inevitably, by just doing this repeatedly and repeatedly, uh, rinse and repeat, I inevitably increased my level of confidence in my skills, in my craft. And uh, I, had to, I had to admit the f- to the fact that I was actually okay at this, mm-hmm. <laughs> which seems ridiculous because a lot of folks have the opposite. They don't know what they're doing, but they think they do, you know, so they're like kind of weird dichotomy. But um, so, so that happened. And so I kept like choking down this feeling of, of, of wanting to go and see what I could do in the real world, you know, quote unquote, you know, in the bigger pond, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, again, no disrespect to recording smaller bands, but I just wanted to see what I could do. You know, you want to see what you can do. You know, you're a great swimmer. Well, how would you do at the Olympics? You know, you just want to see, Yeah. you know? Um, and so 
I decided I wanted to move somewhere. And there was two options. One was Minneapolis <laughs> for some reason. And, uh, and then the other was Nashville. Kind of also for some reason. Wasn't, I didn't really have any, any necessary reason for those two places. But um, So anyway, I choked that, that thought down a couple times. This was like probably in my early 30s. And by the time I was about 34, I was just like, you know, you know how it goes. Like you get to a certain point and you're just like, man, I've got to see what I can do. Otherwise, I'm going to be this dude working at this factory and, and I'm going to be 55 years old. And be like, yeah, once I retire, then I'll see what, then I'll have some fun with this recording thing I love. It's like, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. How often do you see that happen? You know, not very often. And uh, life is for living, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I don't but, know too many people on their deathbed that were like, hey, I wish I would have worked a whole bunch more. Right, right. And you know, these are all cliche things. You, you can. The thing is that you can easily like you said on a whim and that's why i kind of have such a problem with that term because if you do things on a whim you generally don't have things planned out and you don't really have a real strong uh um i can't use my words you don't have a real strong uh identity with what you're trying to do like you haven't really thought it through that pros and the cons that brings me um, really close to one of my favorite sayings ever which is a goal without a plan is a dream yeah, it's a great saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, great. yeah, I, I, I dig that you corrected me on that because it seems like you really actually did have a plan here to, well, to, to go out I, and I, test your skill set against the skill set of others. Yeah, again, it comes back to curiosity, truly. And um, so I spent a year, I was 34 at the time, I spent a year of my life getting my eggs or my ducks in a row and uh, financially and otherwise and kind of kept it on the down low, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I just like put in my two weeks and my hands are like trembling. You know what I mean? Cause I'd worked there for 16 years. I was 35 and I worked there since I was like 19. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy. And no matter how punk rock you are, no matter how much you're like, ah, screw it. It's just a job, blah, blah, blah. When you work there for a long time and you're getting a good paycheck and you have, uh, healthcare, um, you know, whatever. And uh, that's security. Yeah, you're leaving and, um, security. Man, I, it truly, I jumped, the way I think of it is like I jumped off the cliff of security, like with no parachute. Like I just freaking jumped and hoped that there was a body of water at the bottom. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I went through a, a kind of similar thing. I worked at a job for 12 years and then I went back to school. It's not too much, yeah. too much the same, but it's not too much different. I like, it's kind of one of those deals where it's like, I knew I was smart. I did good in school before. I'm trying, I'm going to go out and apply this and see how I can fare with everybody else that's out there trying to up their game in the learning tree or whatever the heck, you know? So right. it was the same deal. I left a job and I didn't have a job for a couple of years because I was going to school and I, you know, finally got another job. And when I had the skill set to apply to the job that I needed to apply it to, and that's, that comes right back to, uh, you got to have the skill set and you got to show up with it, you know, to do the things you want to do. Yeah. 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 So, um, I guess continue on though that I, so I, I had the studio from like age 30 to 35 ish, you know, right around there. And, um, so in like around age 34, I decided to kind of make this private move to get myself in the position that I could do this because I didn't want to go there 
and six months down the road be broke and just be like, well, I guess I got to go back home and work at Kerwood again. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah, I get what you're really, saying. Really, really didn't want to do that. If I came back, it's on my own terms, which is this how I came back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was kind of another jumping off of the thing of security because on on the other end, I was doing well there. I had a studio, I was working, and then I decided to leave that and come back home, which is almost polar opposite of what I did when I was 35, you know? So that was kind of a, a different story almost, but... Uh, um, yeah, I mean it's almost yeah. it's almost like you you had your skill set established and your clientele established and and a name for yourself there and you had your security there and um you just kind of turned around and left that behind and went to a place where you had to reestablish everything once again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a man, it's been a um it's been a heck of a a year and a half. Um so you've been back in Iowa for a year and a half. Yeah, I moved back the middle of May in 2018, so I guess that's about a year and a half. And you, um, uh, you, you fired Songbird Studio back up again. Strange Bird, excuse me. You fired up your Strange Bird Studio. I, I did it. I'm sorry. Um, Strange Bird. So you got your studio back up, www.strangebirdrecording.com. Uh, <laughs> threw it out there. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, so you, you start your studio back up in Iowa with the knowledge that you knew what you were doing and you were going to help others apply it. Do you feel like it's, it's, um, I, I, it's gotta be different here in Iowa than it was in Nashville. Um, as far as like maybe less demand for a tape record. I don't know. I have, I have very low exposure to a recording studio, so I have no clue what kind of a demand someone like you would have versus somebody with like a laptop. Like, I, I don't know. Right, right, right. I don't either. <laughs> um, well, let, me ask, out. let me ask you this: Are, you, you, you said you were kind of busy recording bands back in Iowa. I mean, I've no, I know of a couple of bands that at least have contacted you and, and recorded stuff with you. So, yeah, um, like, yeah, I, I, I want to be, I want to be transparent. You know, at, at the risk of, uh, I don't know, no risk really, but I want to be transparent in that. Um, I'm in the process of building the next Strange Bird. I have a control room area. I have, I have an ability to mix and do overdubs. I'm building my live room right now, which is attached to my house. This house that I'm in is on my property. I bought this piece of property from my father about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll say this quickly so I don't get emotional, but my a month after I came back home, unbeknownst to me and unbeknownst to my father, my father had stage four cancer, lung cancer. And... Uh, so a month after that, two months after I came back, he was gone. He passed away. And part of the reason I came home was to be with my father and my, my mom. My parents are split and my mom lives around Cedar Rapids. And uh, part of the reason I came back was to be with them, you know, spend time. But as you get older, you start to realize mortality, right? Kicks y- in. Yes, yes. And uh, for whatever reason... I'm so thankful that I was around for my father. Yeah, I wish he was around to hang with tonight. But, you know, uh, that's life. Yeah. Um, at, least you so, got, at least you got back to spend some time with him, though. Yeah. Um, I, the reason I bring that up is, is not a woe is me story. These things happen to, you know, people lose their parents. It's part of the cycle of life. But um, 
the reason I bring that up is that I came home with the, the idea. My father started building a, a building on my property. This is how cool my dad is. Okay. He started building a building on my property. It was just going to be like a garage or just a whatever, a man cave, whatever he called it, you know? Mm-hmm. And next thing I know, he's like building a house. <laughs> and ultimately, he was building a house for me to come and live in whenever I wanted to. Oh, that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, so he, um, was he building it like all himself? Like, is he one of those kind of handyman type people? He is one of those handymen. My dad had glaucoma pretty badly at the end years of his life. And so he couldn't really, he didn't really like trust himself on the roof or something, you know, cause he'd missed up and fall off the roof or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he, so he had to delegate some stuff, but my dad is very much a do it. I learned, I'm, you know, spitting image of my dad as far as, uh, like knowing how just getting in there and learning how to do shit, you know, that um, probably attributes to exactly what you were talking about with the curiosity and just going yeah, in and fixing your sure. own consoles. It, it all translates sure. into that. My dad was, uh, um, I have no problems talking about my dad cause I, I love him so. And, and, uh, you know, it brings me joy to, to honor him in whatever way I can. But my dad was a, uh, a machinist. He, uh, built and repaired engines which is why I know a little bit about cars. That's why I bring up like the Mustang thing and all that. Cool. Uh, I've got a must. I've got a, my dad's old block from his. Uh, he had a, a two eighty nine uh, Mustang Shelby. Nice. Which I wish he still had, you know, because you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I, I I grew up watching my dad fix stuff. I grew up my watching my dad wire the house, plumb the house, build walls. So when it came to me building a studio, my first studio. I just did it. Yeah. Cause I was like, I got to figure this out. And now I'm building the next studio. So he built this house and it's got an attached garage. And so the garage has never had a car in it. You know, it's like brand new. And so I was like, it doesn't have to be a garage. So that's going to be my live room. Oh, cool. So that's, it's in the process right now. I got all the walls up. I got drywall on. I got to finish the ceiling and I got to finish some ISO boost and then do the finishing, finishing work. And then I'll be able to hit record again. Finally. That's so, crazy. So, so I, I just want to be transparent in that, you know, it'd be easy for me to just say, yeah, I'm ready to go. Come on boys. You know? Yeah. But yeah. the reality is, is that I'm halfway set up. Um, I'm functional, but, um, I've just, you know, with my father's passing, it really, uh, set my world on its side and so I decided that I had some money set aside so I was fine excuse me and living here thankfully I don't ha- it doesn't cost anything to live here mm-hmm. and I own the place and so it's like I don't have to pay rent or anything so I'm, I'm, I'm in a very privileged position in that way and um, so I was like man I'm just gonna I don't, I, I don't, I'm not concerned with how it looks to people. Like if, you know, if it looks like I came home and like, Oh, Oh, he can't do anything, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I was like, I, I've got to just, uh, I've got to deal with what I've got to deal with on a personal level. And so I've just kind of essentially taken the year off, mm-hmm. you know, essentially I've done a little recording gigs, some remote stuff, and I've gone down to Nashville a handful of times and done some tech work, actually. Cool. <laughs> so, you, so, uh, you, so you still actually go back to Nashville, you know, have the ability to go back to Nashville and do some of the tech work with some of the contacts that you had built there previously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I guess I failed to mention that. But yeah, I, I've gone down, I've gone there a handful of times, probably. That's probably and never uh, going to go away, is it? Go away, is it? Hope not. <laughs> 
Well, that's that's my whole thing, man. Is that part of the reason? Like coming home was a scary proposition because I was like, I'm jumping out of this place of you know a success, a success, and um, and coming back to the unknown, like a much smaller, much different market, much different dynamic, much different uh, cash flow dynamic, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and every, uh, every literally everything's different. Yeah, people people aren't used to spending as much money on things here, you know, because it costs less to live, and so all this stuff, different different thing, and um, and so I was like, man, how do I find it? How do I find my place in this? And I'm still trying to figure it out, and I'll figure it out once I'm up and rolling, once I have the sign on the door, you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just had to take some time off, and I have this house that's like halfway, well, uh, it's more seventy percent built, and so it's like I'm just kind of trying to honor my dad's. Uh, legacy and finish what he started by finishing this house and for the time being it's going to be the studio and if i decide that i'm going to stick around which i think i will but if i decide i'm going to stick around um then i'll probably build another studio on my property which was the original idea cool before my dad got ill so so anyway long story short that's the idea yeah so strange bird is probably going to be fully functioning probably around the first of the year is what i'm guessing oh cool yeah i mean winter will afford you it's so weird like iowa winter it's not like it's that much better off in nashville but like the iowa winter it affords you the opportunity there's no snow down there do things you know um yeah it's it, to me the winters here i mean last winter was pretty brutal that was that was kind of a shock to the system but uh hopefully this winter will be a little mellower but um uh yeah, you know, you just become a little hibernating bear, you know, when you when winter sets in here. And, you know, it's like I, I have a wood stove and I just built a little lean-to. You know, I built a lean-to just a couple of weeks ago to house wood and, like, you know, I'm good to go. I'm all right. I got some food. I'm good to go, yeah, you know. Yep, be, yeah. be a little hibernating bear and just finish up my studio, get to know what I'm doing. And, um, and Lord willing, I'll uh, get some clients that want to do things and uh go from there man yeah well speaking of uh clients that might want to do things let's uh plug some social media i i do know for a fact that you have facebook for strange bird recordings Uh, yeah that's almost kind of like a little has i should probably either take that down or upgrade it or update it because it's it's been dormant for probably three or four years well uh, instagram is actually more more you got the instagram is the instagram what's the instagram it's just strange bird recording all one word uh at strange bird recording yeah that, that's yeah. recording with a g no s at the end correct yes okay. so if there's, anybody's there's only one studio it. there's not two of them <laughs> what was that there's only one studio there's not two of them uh yes well, yeah, uh, true very true so uh if if not facebook go to the instagram i'll leave links to both of those down below the most of, yeah, or the, website. the most official place to find you would probably be your website yeah, you do the website or Instagram, quite honestly. Oh, okay. So you, you will... Uh, I'm, not super, you will I'm not super active. What's that? I'm sorry? I, I, I was going to say, I'm not super... I haven't been super active on uh, Instagram as far as posting stuff, but I lurk there every day, you know? So if you send me a message, I'll, I'll see it and get back cool. to Cool. At least you'll do that. I mean, I'm on Instagram maybe like two or three times a week tops with my uh, Audible yeah. Farm stuff, and I fail to look at the message things so many times. It's so bad. Uh, yeah. yeah. Man, uh, Instagram's been a great way to get in touch with folks and 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 kind of uh, expand your circle, and it's kind of a good way to kind of keep in touch with what my friends back in 
in Nashville are doing, you know, because that was kind of it kind of became my second home, really. And so it's like I had a lot of I was fortunate to um, have a lot of great relationships with people there that are still going strong, you know, just because I don't live there. And that was the thing that um, coming back here was the thing of like the soft, the blow softening aspect of it, uh, of living in a small town and wondering if you're going to be able to make it. Um, that was, that blow was softened by the fact that I could, I could, I'm not stuck here. I can hop in my van and, and go down to Nashville. I can go wherever and record someone, you know, and, and, or just do some tech work or do some seminars. You know, I've done a lot of recording seminars, things like that. Um, which I'd like to start doing again, actually. So, do you do any recording seminars locally, like uh, around the Iowa I, area? I haven't yet, and that's what I—that's what I'd like to do. Yeah, for sure. Dude, that'd be aw- sure. that would be awesome. Even even yeah. if you showed, like, even if you just showed people how all this stuff worked, like, you know, it's just like, well, all you're doing here is just basically recording with this, and this does the doohickey, and then it goes to these tapes, and this, you know. Like, yeah. even if you just did, like, a breakdown like that, I feel like it would help benefit people just to get a basic concept, at least, of what's going on. Yeah, I really enjoy that stuff. Um, I never, ever thought I was I was uh, teacher-minded, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's this uh, there's a recording studio in Nashville called Blackbird, which is uh, owned by, do you know, uh, uh, she's kind of a, excuse me, like a 90s, 2000s country singer named Martina McBride. Yeah, I've heard the name. I'm sure everybody knows. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, she's pretty well known, but yeah. her husband, her and her, her and her husband uh, John have a studio, this crazy, multi, multi, multi million dollar studio called Blackbird, and it was like maybe a mile away from my house and uh, down there. And um, anyway, got to know those dudes, and they ended up. John started a recording school called the Blackbird Academy. Probably, I guess, it's been about a handful of years ago now. Anyway, I ended up knowing one of the professors that worked there, and uh, this guy named Mark Rubel. And um, again, it was one of those wacky things. All of a sudden, I get this call from Mark, and he's like, hey, Travis, I was wondering if you'd like to come in and um, talk as a guest speaker to the students. And I'm just like, uh, you know, it's like, why why me, you know? Um, And so anyway, so I ended up doing that, and uh, I talked to probably a handful of each time you'd have a new class and I'd talk to him. And, um, and that was a lot of fun. And I realized that putting myself in that position, kind of the same thing as like doing trade shows for AA for the mic company. When you do like trade shows, you notice the difference between the, the traffic that booths get when they have a booth and they have a table in front of them. And then you got this guy standing behind it versus the ones where they have the table behind them and they're standing in front engaging people. Yeah. You realize yeah. there's a big difference there. Yeah. And yeah. and I was forced into standing in front of the table. <laughs> and so I realized again, it's kind of something came out in my personality while doing that. And the um, same thing with teaching. And I realized that, you know, you don't realize how much you know until you're put on the spot to teach it or to explain it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I realized that I had a little bit, there was something in me that I really enjoyed it. And I kind of knew what I was talking about, you know, and, and. And I really enjoyed sharing it with people, and I still and I do. So, um, so yeah, I think it'd be cool to do some seminars. Be a good way to have a little side income and, and spread the radness. You know, it'd be cool. Yeah, if you ever have any sort of a seminar, uh, I would I would be willing to go just to check it out, just for the simple fact that uh, I'm kind of like you. I'm a curious guy, and even if I don't want to like dabble in it, I still kind of want to understand at least what the heck's going on. You know, right, so. right. 
Um, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to be um, a professional at everything. You know, I'm not a professional at making eggs, but I know how to make them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm>, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, the bad analogy, but you know, you don't. It, it's a okay to be curious about something and just want to see how it works. Mm-hmm. You know just to better your life, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what you did to start out with. And it was something that you really liked and you just kept going with it. And yeah. Next thing I know I'm, I'm 43 and it's my career. It's like, go figure. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I mean, like, I, oh man, could you have ever imagined in a million years while you were working at the factory that you could actually say, this is my career? No. Um, here's the thing, man, is that, I really appreciate you uh, making the effort and taking the time to talk to me. And, and I suppose we could have made this into a, a, like a little walking advertisement for strange bird and what I do and all that. Um, if I get some business from this, it's awesome. If somebody wants to reach out to me, I'd love to talk to anyone. A okay. Whether you're going to spend money with me or whether I recommend you to someone else, you know, that would be better fit. But my point is, is that I've realized, and maybe it's, you know, a residual, you know, emo, uh, uh, stance from you know all that's happened in the last year you know with my father and everything in life um, but I really doing all this stuff is rad and it's rad to have a studio and you know if I were to see all this stuff from an outsider's perspective I'd be stoked and 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 in awe and confusion all all at the same time and all that but the thing is the reason I do this stuff is not I do it for a living, so I got to make like grown-up money, mm-hmm. right? Um, but aside from that, I do it simply to connect with people and to share some radness, <laughs> if you will. You know, I know that sounds like a little kid thing, but hey, whatever. You know, I, you know, I'm a skateboarder, and I was like, what can you, what can you say? You got limited vocabulary, right? Dude, um, I totally but, get that. But the whole thing, man. If I can continue on this for a bit on this whole diatribe, but. I would like if if anybody takes anything away from our chat tonight, um, I really want people to understand that the reason that uh, maybe not a good way to put it. I don't want it's not that people need to understand why I'm doing something. It's not like I'm self-important in that way. But but the whole reason that I'm doing what I'm doing um, and I think the reason that I've been successful and, and I've noticed that other people that do things for the same reasons or similar reasons are successful also is because if you do something with the heart of service and, and I realize that kind of maybe sounds biblical even, but, but with the heart of service and, and the mindset of sharing and, and, uh, connecting with your fellow human being, which also sounds really hippie slash biblical. I don't know, but, but, but it's the truth when it all comes down to it and our, and our chests aren't puffed out and we're not trying to be cool guys or girls. The reality is that we need to connect with the folks and, and no matter how grounded you are and whatever, you have your moments of darkness, you have your moments of, of fear and, and loneliness. And I know what that's like. And I know a lot of folks know what that's that's like. It's, it's a human condition, but if I'm put in a position that I can do what I'm doing, something that I love, that's super fun to do, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, shit, like I get to record people, you know, it's like, pfft. 
you know, I feel like I'm, I'm lying. Cause like, I'm, it's like, I'm, I guess I'm working, you know, yeah. um, yeah. you know, like I recorded the uncle girls, you know, you had the uncle on, what was it last week? Uh, two, the week last two weeks ago. Two weeks but ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, um, I recorded those girls and, and just kind of, I, and again, that was, I, I recorded them because I just wanted to share some radness with them. You know what I mean? Totally. And, totally. They're they're sweethearts, you know. They're young girls, sweethearts. And I saw them play a few times, and I'm like, man, this is exactly why I do this. And I did it pro bono. I did it for free be- because one, they're broke ass kids, but also, uh, I didn't want that to be an issue. And also, my studio's not done. I don't really feel right charging somebody when my studio's not even done. You know, they recorded in in a bare room, you know, yeah. <laughs> with drywall stack of drywall next to them, you know. And um, but anyway, uh. I mean, that was kind of a good example. I just wanted to share the radness. I just wanted them to walk away just being like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but this is rad. And the thing is, is that that thing may have um, set them on their way of doing their own rad things because they're like, man, remember that one dude, Travis, like he was like, dude was like 40 or something, you know what I you know? Yeah. Like when you're that age, you know, I'm like an old ass guy, you know? And, and so like, you know, it's like, you know, you're like an old ass guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> somebody's like 17 or what. I don't know how old you are, but I'm assuming like 30 something. Yeah. You but, nailed it. But, uh, but anyway, you know, it's just imagine that though, like these people come in and you're able to share something with them and do something for them. And they walk out being empowered, just like, man, I just had an experience that I've never had before. And something that I have always been curious about, and it was a good one, good experience, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And um, and at the end of the day, they have a little product too. You know, they have their CD. Yep. To um, dude, to I, I totally love that. Totally like love that. like you're, you're, that's kind of. I, I know that's what you're saying. Thing. It's almost like you want. Uh, I don't want to get like weird about it. Like it's almost like the serotonin that you receive from doing something that would maybe lift somebody's spirits or maybe make them pass on this awesome feeling that they got from you to somebody else in whatever way they can. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a very hippie kind of thing, you know, but, uh, but it's true. Like when you really come down to it and you really are true with yourself, you know, and, and get past the tough guy act, um, it really is about connecting with the folks and the fact that I'm able to do something so fun <laughs> and such a, I mean, it's not all, it's not all just like uh, kicking back on my foot on the console, twiddling some knobs, turning the volume knob up. It's like, what's up bros. It's not a matter. It, it, there's a bit more to it than that. When anybody's good at something, they make it look easy. Right. Yep. And I'm not saying yep. that I'm good at it. I'm just saying that when that happens, you know, it looks like they're not necessarily doing much, you know? Yes. And, um, goes with anything but uh there's more to it there's a lot of like arduous stuff and like if the tape machine breaks down the night before you know it's not so fun but all that stuff aside that's part of the deal um all that stuff aside when you're able to just share that moment and just share the radness i can't think of a better way i mean it's kind of a juvenile way to put it but it's also kind of like the perfect way to put it you know you're like sharing the radness you know yeah dude (laughs) you know yeah and um that's as a kid and as a grown adult that has gone through some stuff like everyone has, um, I still feel that, that innate desire to share the radness and that's not gone away. And so that leads me to believe that I'm doing probably what I should be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I'm here, man. That's why I'm here. That totally makes sense. sense. I like to 
try and draw parallels between what people are doing and uh, see if I can relate it to my life in any way at all. But I, ironically enough, had somebody today ask me why I'm doing a podcast that I'm not generating. Like, like, why don't you charge people money for this? Why don't you, like, how? Why wouldn't you want to make money off this and and do this for a living, etc.? And it's, I started out doing it, um, just as a way to talk to people. Honestly, I'm not, I'm I'm easy to talk to, but I'm don't seek out people at shows, you know. And it's like you said when when you're at a show, everyone's got their chest puffed out. They're they got, and it's not like everyone's yeah, oh, I'm macho. I'm at a show. No, no, but you, but I'm just I'm I'm making a blanket blanket statement by saying that, and that's kind of a douchey thing to say. But but we all know it's kind of true that we all are guarded in some way. Yeah, we're all just putting on some thing. Yeah, ev- so that's what I mean by I that. I totally get you. Everybody puts on airs to some extent, whether or not you're going to a show, whether or not you're going to the bar, whether or not you're hanging out at work, everybody puts on an air no matter where they're at. It's just the way it works. But like, there is that weird form of exactly what we're doing. We have a conversation with somebody on a deeper level than just like, Hey, how you doing? Good, good. See ya. You know, it's good to see you. You rocked tonight. You know, other than the the normal things everybody says to each other, when you break it down to a deeper level, it's that weird sort of connection you want to have with somebody where you spend time with them and, and interact with them. Yeah, we all want that, but it does take a certain amount of humility and uh, reaching inside you to understand how that works and how you can achieve that with your fellow human beings and people that are in your life. And this is, I mean, I feel uh, there are some folks that do things like this, that if you saw them out on the street, they're super awkward, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I thankfully, thankfully, I, I don't feel that I'm that way. I feel like I'm fa- fairly, I'm a fairly mellow guy, you know. Um, I think skateboarding for that really, but um, it teaches you a lot of humility when you throw yourself down a set of stairs for three hours, you know, <laughs> trying to learn a trick. But um, so I brought that to like every aspect of life, you know. But but still, um, my main thing as far as like being able to bring folks in and share that radness with them, you know, is my studio, and that's kind of the way that I've chosen to do it, and. How rad is it that I can do that and also make money doing that? I get paid to share the radness, you know? Dude, that's killer. <laughs> Pretty cool, killer. you know? Pretty cool. That's the way I look at it. I truly think it's a matter of how you look at these things. Um, there's a lot of downsides. You, you deal with a lot of folks that are not the coolest human beings, <laughs> Yeah. you know? But, hey, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of uncool people at, at working at the factory, too, you know? Um, Good so point. It is Great it is. point, man. It's, it's life, you know? Dude. Um, it's it's a what is there like a saying like uh life is don't make me say life don't is, make me say like a, forget, box like a box of chocolates yeah yeah okay. uh life is like 10 percent what you make of it or 10 percent what you make it 90 percent how you take it <laughs> yeah dude i, yeah, dude, I, I <laughs> it's like some old guy I, saying i, I, I love kind of that. true that's that's awesome it's totally a good old boy saying yeah but it is true like how you take things like somebody comes up to you and calls you a, a a douchebag you could take it badly and punch him out knock him out or you could just kind of realize that this person's a turd and just turn the other shoulder and walk away you know it's, it's how you take yeah. it and how you how you make that ruin your day or yeah. not you can either yeah. let it ruin your day or let it not ruin your day and it's easier to yeah. not let it ruin your day and you know yeah. the other thing of that is like when you're trying to like you say uh you know share the radness and you know just spread it around it's it's one of those things like you got no reason to be mad at this person because you're just like dude it's all good like 
you know, we're here to do something. It's great. I, I, I love your take on that. Like, uh, as far as just, just spreading the love around, man, it's, it, there's not enough of that going on. That's kind of what I'm doing here. You know, it's, it's not, it's, I just, I feel like everybody has something going on and I feel like we've definitely drilled in on that with you, uh, yeah, everything's a communication platform or has the, oper- the, the option of being a communication platform. And Lord knows that we're in a, in a day and age, obviously you're doing a podcast, we're talking, I'm talking to you on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. And um, I mean my cell phone. My, uh, uh, but yeah, there's, there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. And it's like what you make of it, what you do with it. The thing is like, say if you were to take the guy that called you a douche, and you took that internally and got bummed or punched him, knocked him out, and then felt bad about it, you know, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. You took the bully route, whatever. Um, if you did that, and then that would, you know, if you want to get deep into it, that basically halts some energy within you, right? It, it stops your energy. It stops your energy flow, right? And that's what anger does. You know, it stops you from being able to um, exert energy in other ways. You know, you're just super pissed, and you want to... You know, you want to kick a wet puppy, you know? Yeah, I totally get you. And, I totally get you. And so, but if you don't do that, if you if you know the deeper cause of it, you realize maybe this dude just lost his parent. Maybe this person just whatever. Maybe this person's just an idiot, you know? Maybe, whatever, you know, this person hasn't put the time in to learn about themselves enough to be able to deal with their feelings, right? Yeah. This yeah. this person may be 16-year-olds. This person may be 60 or years old, you know, it, you know, it runs the gamut, you know, but what I'm saying, I guess, is that if you decide to take the path, dare, dare I say the higher path, the upper road and not let this get to you, then you're allowed to still be able to reach out to the next person you meet at the grocery store. But if you're turbo pissed and you punch that dude or whatever, you just let anger get to you, then you're going to be cut off. And then when you go to the grocery store, you just be like, you know, you're all grumbling, and uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna be in a place of being able to share anything else with people. That so I think you're that's you're creating a disservice to yourself. I like I don't think you could have said it any better than that. Because I mean, if your day is ruined and you go to the grocery store, you're just like head down, get my frozen right. pizza, and just get the heck out of here, and just just give me my yeah. meat, dude. I'm out of here. You know, it's just you don't want to talk to anybody. You see somebody you know, and you're just like, hey, and you just keep going. You don't even get to be friendly with this person. It just takes you over. Right. It's a, the thing is, is that it's a disservice to yourself and it's a, it's a disservice to what you're put on planet earth to, to do. And that, that obviously gets into a deeper discussion, but it's a whole different thing. But, but even on a lighter tip, um, if imagine that, so I think that a lot of the, that a lot of the experiences that I've, I've garnished throughout the years and especially the last several years have come from being in a place that I allowed myself my energy, if I, if you will, <laughs> I don't think I've ever talked about it in this way. It sounds very hippie, yeah. but, but let my energy flow, if you will, uh, and let my personality come out. In other words, you know, let your shoulders be free, let your energy come, let your personality sh- show. doesn't mean you have to be all ham handed about things. You don't have to be contrived or, or, you know, some people try a little too hard, you know, and that's a little of its own, uh, fakeness you know that's not a good vibe either but but if you're just cool and mellow about things and just like let it happen the thing is is that say if you're you're pissed and you you punch the guy out and you felt bummed and you went to hy to get some eggs and then you're all grumpy head down 
there's some dude behind you that notices you're wearing a cool jacket or something just say whatever and they want to say something to you but you're all grumpy and you have this bad posture about you they're not going to say anything because they're like this guy is kind of grumpy bear you know i'm not into that but if you feel if you've let that shit go and you're feeling good and you're just kind of like your personality's there you may that guy may say something to you and then the next thing you know you may make a connection all of a sudden oh that dude plays guitar hey he's looking to record he likes your jacket like that means anything but it's you know whatever it is yeah. you know he likes yeah. your shoelaces whatever and um but if you were to if you were to to knock that option the opportunity away by letting stuff get to you not that things aren't going to get to you as a human i'm not saying that you you have to be cold as ice all the time but but uh but learning what you're about and learning uh how to deal with that stuff is a real uh it's a real important thing i think and 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 it leads to a lot of opportunity and not having that skill the, that skill in your bag um shuts off a lot of opportunities and i think that that's kind of the crux of success versus a halted success success is a very is a you know somewhat of a um what is success you know you're successful i'm successful the person getting my groceries is successful you, you know that there's a lot of of uh ways to to view success you know but i'm just saying as far success is just simply being able to do the things you want to do and share the radness you know mm -hmm. <laughs> ultimately so um so that's why I, you know, I've, I've felt like I've been successful since I made the made the go of it when I was thirty five years old, you know, and um, so that I don't know, man, I'm just babbling. Sorry, dude. No, I totally. That, <laughs> you know what? This this point we're kind of drilling home here it might be the perfect way to end the podcast because everyone out there should definitely just share the radness, man. It's I. You've said so many things. That's that the title I'm of the podcast, right about. there. You've said so many things. I'm going to think about after we're done recording and um i, I don't want to like be like oh it was so great but like you said so many things i'm probably going to think about tomorrow too like well, cool. um, as great. far as how to handle myself because i see myself falling into some of these pitfalls you describe as i'm sure everybody does in their life. myself included i'm not i'm not you know i i i'm hesitant to say things like this because it makes it somewhat seem like i'm like yeah i know what's going on i'm infallible <laughs> like no just because you can give advice doesn't mean you follow it all the time, you know. Exactly. You have the you know. ability to recognize it is one of the things. That's that's a big start. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dude. Acknowledgement. Um, Thank you a million times over for sitting down, taking time out of your day to sit down with me, making this work. Um, it took a while for us to finally get together, but I'm glad we finally had a conversation, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um and yeah, maybe down the road, if you want to do a part two, I'd be I'd be more than happy to. Heck yeah, because we didn't we barely scraped the surface on talking about all this stuff. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I we should talk about uh, recording uh, bands live to a two inch eight track at third band. That'd be some fun combo. Yeah, dude. I mean, that'd be some crazy stuff because recording a band live has enough tricks uh, that you need yeah. to pull out of your bag. Anyways. Doing it in front of an audience, like live studio audience, oh. <laughs> so to speak. That was pretty. That was pretty fun. That's wild. That's wild. So everybody, check out Strange Bird. Uh, they're on Facebook, Instagram. Check them out on Instagram. Go to their website, strangebirdrecording.com. Uh, hit up Travis. Say hi to him. See what he's got going on. Um, very knowledgeable, uh, dude. Thank you so much once again. Like I said, I'm gonna take a lot of the stuff that we talked about today and think about it for days to come, cool. at least. <laughs> right on. All right. Well, thank you, Peter. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Absolutely.
Oh yeah, that one is in the bank. I told you that one was gonna be good. Um, you know what? I I, I have I had such a great time sitting down talking with Travis, and I meant every word that I said. Were there's some of the things that he said in the podcast that I'm gonna be taking with me uh, on my travels today, tomorrow, for a while. I'm gonna be thinking about that stuff for a while. So. Uh, uh, thank you, Travis, very much for coming in, dropping a little bit of knowledge, telling us a little bit about your story and uh, why you're doing exactly what you're doing. You know, that whole share the radness thing is, I love it. I love it. I think I'm going to steal it. I think I'm going to steal it and use it um, in my day to day because why not? You know, everybody should be sharing the radness uh, one way or the other. So that's that. I, I don't know, man. I It was when I recorded this episode, I was sitting down and I just thought afterwards for a while, like, man, this is such a good deep conversation. And I hope this, I hope this platform is, is the perfect platform for it because I, I would, I would very much welcome having another conversation like this with anybody, um, about what they're doing, uh, not just explaining what they're doing, but going deeper into it and saying why they're doing what they're doing, what drives them to do it. Um, you know, what influences they've had and, and just candidly speaking about their experiences, uh, you, you know what uh, Travis knocked this one out of the park and I can't wait to have him back again uh, you know maybe uh, maybe and hopefully I can actually get down to his recording studio sometime and sit down with him face to face that'd be a big dream of mine to uh, just be able to go down and sit down and talk to him face to face he's such a cool guy so uh, with all of that being said I actually do have a question for everybody listening so I did a I've done Skype interviews where I've kept the Skype audio and it's pretty compressed, and you can you can kind of tell it sounds like the guest is talking a little bit through a can. And uh, this one, I I've done what I've done in the past with a few other ones, like the Jonathan Rowell and the Eli Dykstra one, where I, I took the guests uh, at their word and let them record their own audio and send it over, and I sync that up instead of using the uh, compressed Skype audio. So what I would like to know is uh, what what's better? What do you prefer? The the issue sometimes with recording uh, with Skype is you end up with that little bit of lag that kind of cuts off what people are talking about so you have to repeat things sometimes but uh there's sometimes when you when i would have the guests send me their audio clippings you can kind of hear me in the background talking i can edit that out but i don't really have and i, I don't want to sound unprofessional but i don't really have the time to do that with uh, uh what i've got going on in my life right now and how busy i am i'm I'm barely squeaking some of these episodes in under the wire and getting them edited and uploaded. But I just want to know what everybody's opinion is, um, regardless of the tiny little bit of talkback that you can hear me um, in Travis's audio. This episode is is going to be one that I will re-listen to personally, uh, which is not something I do too much of when I listen to my own podcasts. So, Travis, thank you very much. You knocked this one out of the park. Um, I cannot wait to sit down and talk with you again. And... Uh, best of luck in getting that uh, strange bird recording studio set up here within the next uh maybe by the end of the year maybe within the next six months he was hoping 2020 beginning of the year 2020 sometime so if you have any interest at all make sure you look down below find the links for travis hit him up instagram and his website are going to be the two big ones his facebook is pretty dormant so i'm not dropping a link for that one but uh i will drop the instagram and i will drop the the website that he has hit him up He's, he's a great guy. I had a great time talking to him. I guarantee you will too. If nothing else, just uh, 
pick his brain about what he's what he's got going on because uh, he's doing analog. Uh, I guess on his website it's called Analog Plus, so it's uh, mostly analog. I'm sure there's a little bit of digital thrown in here and there. Uh, I mean, you can't just if it was all analog, he'd be handing people tapes and being like, "Here you go," and that's not quite um, what he's doing. He's recording everything and he's doing he's doing a lot. He's he's done a lot for a lot of bands in the area. Uh, he's like we like we talked about. He's sharing the radness, man. And uh, that's cool. That's really cool. That's uh, that's what I hope everybody does each and every day in their life, and just goes out, and just shares the radness with somebody else around them, and uh, just just keep it cool, everybody. It's really awesome. Thank you, uh, Travis Atkinson from Strange Bird Recording. I really appreciate you sitting down, and taking some time with me. I also want to say thanks to Couchtown Coffee. Uh, Couchtown Coffee, located in Ankeny. Go to www.couchtowncoffee.com or go to facebook.com slash couchtowncoffee. Make sure you give them a like, uh, give them a review, give them, you know, rate, subscribe, do all the goodies. Everybody knows what to do. It's 2019. This is how we operate nowadays. Get online, show them some love. Couchtown Coffee, www.couchtowncoffee.com. Use the code word this week, StrangeBird. It's only good for a week, the 21st through the 27th. Save yourself 20%. Uh, just amazing coffee. It's, I'm drinking some right now. I uh, said it in the intro, and I'm saying it in the outro because I'm still drinking it. So uh, I really appreciate uh, Andrew doing doing the sponsorship for the podcast. Thank you, Andrew at Couchtown Coffee. I really appreciate everything you do. I want to say uh, thanks to all of our <clears throat> listeners. Excuse me. Thanks to all the listeners that just every week you're tuning in week after week. I never would have thought a year ago that this would be as popular as it is, but I really appreciate it. Without you guys listening, I really wouldn't have much of a reason to be doing this other than the fact that I just, this is kind of my excuse to sit down and talk to people and get to know them, and I don't really get the opportunity to do that at shows as much as I would like to, but uh, we, we actually discussed that a little bit in the podcast. So I really appreciate uh, everybody listening. I appreciate all the guests for making time uh, with me and working with my odd schedule and my, uh, every, you know, just, just everything. It's it's. This isn't as easy to put out as I, I originally thought it was going to be. It's not easy to always get in contact with people. Um, musicians are notorious for, um, even though they rely on time to do their hobby, they're not always on time, and I am no different. Um, I, I, I do what I say I'm going to do, but man, sometimes finding finding time to do stuff, it's it's one of those things where you're like, oh, I got a podcast coming out on thursday and i'm busy all day wednesday so how about tuesday between these two hours can you be and you know it's so weird to ask someone that and most of the time the guests are really really willing to uh find time to meet up with me and i really really appreciate it if i have passed you by as a guest because our schedules couldn't meet up please don't be uh don't be discouraged by that i i i'm just wicked busy right now and i know people that are busy don't actually just go out and say they're busy but uh the proof's in the pudding there, people. I've got a lot going on right now, and I really appreciate everybody being patient with me. I haven't missed a week yet, and I don't intend to. So uh, you want to be on the podcast, go to www.audiblefarm.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom. Um, contact us. Send us a little email about what's going on. I'm looking for uh, anybody that's doing anything remotely entertaining in Iowa. I don't care if you're doing music. I don't care if you're juggling on a street corner. I don't care. I want to I hear about it. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you got going on. Maybe we can sit down and talk over Skype. Maybe we can uh, get together sometime. I do spend a little bit of time here and there in uh, different towns in the state, depending on bands and things that are going on. So just hit me up. You never know where I'll be. You never know uh, whether or not I'll have time to do it. 
don't get discouraged if I if my schedule is busy and we can't meet up. So uh, I really appreciate everybody for working with my schedule and listening to this awesome podcast. Uh, you just go to the website, check out everything we got there. There's links to every single thing, uh, YouTubes, Facebooks, uh, Instagrams, Twitters. Uh, the Twitter is actually suspended right now. I've had a lot of issues lately um, while I post things online to try to promote the podcasts. It's, it's kind of crazy. The more attention you get, the, the more people kind of backlash against it. I don't know what the deal with that is, but uh, um, the Audible Farm Facebook page for a day was marked as spam, and I couldn't post or do anything with it uh, due to people reporting the posts. And I, I, it's, it's just a thing that happens sometimes, I guess. Uh, you know, that's the Internet. That's 2019. That's the way it goes. You know, 20 years ago, nobody even had Facebook, so that, that wasn't even a problem. And now Facebook's a thing, and social media's a thing, and... I don't know. People, it's just the way things go. So I'm not going to take it to heart even a little bit. But I want to say I did reach out a little bit about the Facebook spam issue and uh, got a lot of positive feedback from a lot of people. And I really appreciate it. Uh, That was a couple weeks ago. So thank you, everybody. If you follow us on Twitter and you notice that uh, that we're not interacting or anything like that, that's because I have no ability to interact. So uh, go, instead, just go to a different social media site and interact with us there. I know it sounds kind of hokey to say that, but uh, we are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. You can find links to everything that we are on at www.audiblefarm.com. We're selling t-shirts. Um, we did the t-shirt giveaway. Trey Jackson won a t-shirt uh, on Halloween last year. I've debated doing another t-shirt giveaway, but uh, i got to find the time to re-up on t-shirts. So right now, I've got a limited supply of medium through extra large. That's right. The smalls are sold out. And uh, you can hit me up, uh, get a hold of any Audible Farm social media, uh, send me an email, audiblefarm at gmail.com. Let us know if you would like a t-shirt. There's links and posts and talks all about it on our social media. So just head on over to the social media. Check it out. Uh, Really appreciate everybody listening. I want to say thanks once again to our awesome guest this week, Travis Atkinson. Uh, Dude, it was amazing. It was a great episode. I can't wait to sit down with him again and pick his brain some more. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. I got to take off. I got a bunch of stuff I got to do today. So uh, really appreciate it. You guys have an awesome week. Uh, let us know what you're doing this weekend. If there's any awesome shows coming up, I caught a couple killer shows last week. Uh, Riddled with Class and Cross-eyed Mary. We're playing uh, somewhere near my area, and they're both cover bands in the Northern Iowa, no, Northern Iowa area. Boo. And uh, they killed it. They killed it. It was it was amazing. I had a good time. It's not very often you can catch two shows in one evening, but they started uh, a couple hours apart, so I was able to catch about half of one set and then drive uh, drive aways and then catch the second half of another set so it was really cool i really appreciate all the bands playing on the weekends everybody posting in the facebook group uh i just appreciate everything so thank you guys very much for listening thanks again to travis adkinson thanks to couch town coffee and uh we'll check you next week peace